This is the Sideline Perspective Podcast, where we tackle the roller coaster ride that is injury and retirement from competitive sports. Buckle up as we dive into the real topics facing sideline athletes today. I'm your host, Mackenzie St. Ange. Let's talk. What's up, total teammates? Welcome back to another episode. Today on the show is Doug Lewis. Doug is a former downhill ski racer whose career saw him as a two-time national champion, two-time Olympian, and world championship medalist. His historic bronze medal in Bormio, Italy was the first ever medal for an American downhill racer and has been celebrated with his induction to the U.S. Ski and Snowboard Hall of Fame in 2007 and the Vermont Ski and Snowboard Hall of Fame earlier this year. Since his time on the slopes, Doug created Elite Team in 1991 with a desire to pass on his winning knowledge of world-class sports to future generations. He is still actively involved in every level of the ski industry as a broadcaster, ski celebrity, motivational speaker, product consultant, and coach. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for being on the show today, Doug. Uh, it's good to be here. Thank Sweet. you. Sweet. So you dedicated the first chapter of your life to going really, really fast on skis. Do you want to explain to the listeners what exactly downhill racing is? Sure. I grew up skiing on the slopes of Vermont. My mom is a ski instructor, so me and my sibs just grew up literally on the slopes. And um, I think I always had the thirst for speed, but I grew up just skiing the mountain and being a technical skier. And then I got a chance to do my first downhill at Sugarloaf, Maine. And for some, however reason, I won it, and I was hooked. You didn't have to twist my arm to be a downhiller. And then the ski team was looking uh, for downhillers, so it was a perfect match. But um, I, you know, until I quit at 24 or retired at 24, um, I really dedicated my life to figuring out how to be the fastest human on the planet. Yeah, and that that sport really is exactly that, the – the fastest that any human is going on any type of material, in this case being skis. It yeah. takes a certain mindset. For sure. I think people ask me, you know, are you born a downhiller or are you made a downhiller? I think you have to have something either too loose or too tight up in your brain for sure to be a downhiller. But um, I just fell in love with the speed for sure. And it's it, it's an amazing sport. It's not judged. You can you can have your arms flailing. You can be as ugly as you want down that hill. But if you're the fastest from the top of the hill to the bottom, you're the best. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And you certainly were the fastest in some cases, top to bottom, national championships and things like that. But what would you say was kind of the sweet spot or your favorite chapter of your career, that point where you know, you can say not only I've made it, but I could do this forever. I think, I think everybody would point, and, and for a long time it, it would be my medal. I won a bronze medal, the first ever U.S. male to win a bronze medal in the speed events in 1985, and that was the peak. That was, that, everything came together. That was the day. Um, and for a long time that was what I thought of as the sweet spot. But thinking back, it was really those – probably three to four years before that, where you have this goal, you're with your best buddies, you're risking everything without even a thought. Um, you have ups and downs, more bad days than good being an athlete for sure, but the good days made up for it. So I think if I ever picked a sweet spot, it's that three years with my team, an underdog team as Americans, trying to pursue our dreams, trying to get that piece of 
glory that we thought we could do. Yeah, and yours was the first medal for an American downhiller. So it, there was no precedent set prior to that in terms of whether or not it could be done. Right. Um, when I first made the team in 1980 with a bunch of guys, the U.S. had never won a, a World Cup downhill, male. Uh, no male had ever won an Olympic medal or a World Championship medal. And four years of working as a team with the ski team, with our sponsors, with our friends, with our everything, four years after that, we had our first World Cup, we had our first Olympic gold, and our first World Championship medal. It was really an amazing time to be on the ski team. And in that, could you, you say that was your sweet spot, and um, so I'm sure you probably could, but feel it building towards that breakthrough of success? I think so, and, and, and I, I said it before, it's being an underdog. The U.S., we weren't supposed to be good at ski racing, <laughs> right? And we're competing in Europe all the time, so there was no pressure. The only pressure came from ourselves. We mm -hmm. had pretty big goals. No one was going to stop us, and so that was just an exciting time where – it was just positive. It was really great. Even through all the suffering, <laughs> and there's lots of suffering, it was just positive. That's awesome. And in that mode, um, or, or really throughout your career, did you ever have days or moments where you stopped to think about life after ski racing or outside of it? Um, no, <laughs> with a caveat. Like, I came from a very academic mom and dad. I mean, they both went to Middlebury College, they're academics. And so the plan was, and I had accepted it, after ski racing, I'd go to college. So I didn't have to, there, there was a plan in place, not what I was going to do, but after skiing, I was just going to go to college and that was it. So I kind of had that as not a safety valve, but I kind of knew that would be following it. So it wasn't as scary, but I never thought of anything. When you're in it, you don't think this is never going to end. <laughs> yeah, you really do think that you're on top of the world yep. and invincible, a mindset that you certainly need to have, especially in a sport like downhill. You got to think that there's some part of you that is going to withstand every aspect of that course, because otherwise you're not going to make it to the you, bottom. Not even talking about <clears throat> retirement and what that meant, just you can die. You could get hurt. One wrong turn and your career is over. And I saw it a lot with friends and, and competitors. So yeah, you're dealing with that as well. And so you have to have that mindset of this is, this is going to be okay. This is what I want to do. And I'm going to risk everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It demands that presence yeah. of you, mm. but also I think that's a, that was a great kind of plan or a structure set out, whether by you or your parents, to know that school was going to be kind of your landing zone because that does still provide kind of a routine, a day-to-day, -day, a goal to kind of work towards, you know, being graduation or the degree that you're pursuing. Yeah, and just growing up in that household where my brothers and sisters pursued college, it, it, it was just there for me. Mm -hmm. uh, again, not a safety net, but just a, a, it was a plan that was in place. And so how did that plan play out? Did, you, did it meet your expectations? Uh, I look at the, the last year of my career mm. and the reasons why I retired and <clears throat> on one side getting kicked off the team, on the other side um, not having enough support to continue mm. was really tough. I mean, my, the end of my career was not great. Um, and maybe it's not great for anybody, and we can talk about that for sure. But once I got through that and accepted that, um, jump, I went right into the University of Vermont, and, and I had that plan move. But it was really tough, and it's still tough. 
30 years out. Mm. Do you want to dive into a few more details kind of on that, that ending? Yeah, it's, it's pretty emotional. Like I, I always thought <clears throat> I was kicked off the team and I didn't have the support. And I'm like, where were, where my, where were my parents? Where were my friends? Where was the ski team? Mm -hmm. Where was somebody to tell me that it wasn't over? Mm. It shouldn't be over. Um, and so that's, that's tough. And then I go and I have to look in the mirror and say, where were you? Mm. And that's a tough one. Like I could have handled it better. And you don't want to think about that when you're in the middle of it. It's everybody else's fault. Mm. So that's, that's really tough to take, still tough to take. Um, so I don't know if I'll ever be over it, but it is, it is really tough to think about that year where it, where it ended. Yeah. And those kind of resources and that support, um, do you feel like you've seen the team and the landscape of sport grow so that that's maybe something that's not necessarily happening anymore these days? Or uh, I think it's a lot better. Yeah. Uh, just hearing the school options, yeah. the um, therapist options, the help options are there, whether the athletes know about them, take advantage of them mm -hmm. or not, at least they're there. And mm -hmm. I think not only in ski racing, all sports are, are waking up to that. And I think outside in the business world and the other world, they know how awesome athletes are. And so they're looking to scrape them up and pick them up and, and snag them because athletes are so um, uh, amazing. Um, it's only getting better. I, I wish I was retiring at this point because how great would that be compared to what I went through? Uh, but it can get better. It can always get better. Yeah, I agree with you there. And hopefully the, this podcast and these conversations are going to yes. push to open people's eyes and ears and hearts to really seeing the athletic experience is not just, um, you know, youth sports up into a competitive level and then d boom, done, but actually kind of a post-athlete care system. Yeah, and and the more athletes that can get involved with that, the better and, and share their experiences just like this. You're doing a great service. <laughs> well, thank you very much. I appreciate you being willing to have the conversation as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So kind of with the next chapters, um, you go from being, you know, top of your sport to this new world where you're kind of starting, the building blocks are starting over. Um, were there certain areas of your life that felt more acute in that sense of being a be beginner again? Um, almost everything. It, mm -hmm. That was really a tough thing to take. Here you are. You're the best. You're at the highest level. Um, <clears throat> you're used to that level. You're used to knowing what to do. And then you're out there and uh, I owned a house. I owned an apartment building. I didn't know how to fix anything. And all of a sudden I was running an apartment building. I was in school. Sure, I knew how to go to school, but um, it was really tough. Um, uh, how to find a job, how to find income. Um, how to be, that was the toughest part, just how to mm. be. There's all this stuff about school and, and jobs and everything, but I think the toughest part for me was how to be because you are what the fans and what the ski team made you yes. when you're there. You're great. And then you're sitting in your living room going, what am I? Am I great? Am I a beginner? It was, it was really tough, and you are a beginner, and you have to relearn a lot of things. Yeah, and I can I hear you when you say your heart is kind of getting pulled in those different directions, asking that question, who am I, and kind of where do I show up and bring value to this world? Because um, I know 
you go maybe walk into a job and the person you know next to you by the copier doesn't care if you you know were an Olympian they care if you know how to use the copy machine you right. know and and can send an email and show up to these different aspects of life in a very different way um, yeah. and so it's almost like your your credibility that you had felt that you'd built up and felt so strongly and kind of stood on in one um, chapter of life one bucket of life doesn't really transfer in some ways no and there's two two ways of that number one i thought here i am olympian top of the world the next career television or whatever me i would just jump right over to the top mm. i'm the guy <laughs> no you're not you are the lowest of the low you gotta go get coffee for people which is fine and if you think about it that's what you did when you learned to be a skier. You are at the lowest point. You learn everything. So you have to know that you, are, you can't just hop over. You got to go to the bottom. The other side of that, which I think you mentioned also, is that who are you? Everybody thinks you're an Olympian. Everybody knows you're an Olympian. So they, uh, they assume that you're the best at th this next thing. Mm. And you aren't. So you have to learn to be a beginner, accept to be a beginner, and then then you can jump into that fun spot again where every, you're learning and you're learning so much. But that's a tough jump. Yeah, no kidding. And was there like a first thing that you were like excited to go learn about or kind of tackle? I thought it was going to be television. I'm mm -hmm. so outgoing. I was, I, I was, I loved the sport so much. Um, I really uh, knew everything about it. I thought I would just skip right over and be the new Bob Biatti and, Bobby Eddie wasn't ready to quit. They were not looking to hire, and there was a lot of shut doors. And so I put that on hold. It's as an athlete, you know how to take no and and all that, but it was tough. And then, lucky for me, I fell into what I have done the last thirty years: is motivate and educate kids. I got hired as a coach, mm. and a lot of ex Olympians uh, get hired as coach, but for me, it fit. I just love to work with kids and to inspire them and to help them pursue their goals. And so a little shut doors here and there, one opens and, and I jump right through it. Yeah. And I'd love to dive into talking about elite team. Um, but just first quickly, yeah. how did you learn to take expectations and pride out of the equation when you were facing new challenges or stumbling along the road to success in whatever fashion you found yeah. it now? You know, yeah. how to take that closed door and continue on. The closed doors are pretty easy because in ski racing, you get in, in any sport, you get those doors closed. You have a bad race. You just learn to figure out how to open. You bang them down. You figure out a different door. You do that. That's okay. Um, the other part of your question, I think, is um, to take expectations and pride out of it. I don't think I ever have. Mm. I, am, I am still in the race. It, and it is tough. I wish I could get out of the race. I wish I could not be the best at something. I wish I could not try to win everything. And it's a constant struggle. And I get, again, 31 years out and I'm still in that race. And so I don't know if you can ever get rid of those expectations. Mm. That's, yeah, interesting perspective. Because that mindset that you built so early on yeah. served you so well. Like, you think evolutionarily, like your brain latched on. and. Yeah. It's a with you. It's a part of you. It's, you know, in yeah. essence, a part of who you are. Yeah, I'd love to. I'm gonna love to hear the other athletes that you do and 
can you let go of it? Mm-hmm. Can you sit on a beach for the <laughs> last 20 years of your life and not be in the race? I would yeah. love, I think I would love to figure that out. But. Yeah. Well, I think it's interesting too, like, because I know for me, yeah, part of that sounds really nice. Yeah. I would love to sit on a beach and just kind of <laughs> check out for a bit. But I know after a period of time, I would get hungry again. Yeah. And I would get hungry um you know, yes, for some sense of like competition and drive, but also for a sense of purpose. Mm-hmm. I think sport really provides that avenue for us. And now what's been really cool is you've found that with elite team. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think we are always going to crave that. Yeah. And and so for the case of elite team, kind of how how did you find it or how did it come to be? And how do you feel like it's... Um, serving that sense of purpose for you now well it's funny as athletes you you try to learn you try to learn your sport you learn your sport then you when you finally learn it you retire so here i was (laughs) at 24 finally figured it out right how to handle nerves Mm -hmm. how to do the physical training how to wax my skis and i'm out of a job and um i said i gotta pass this on it took me let's help the next generation not have to struggle as much as I did to figure this stuff out. So Craig Sauerbeer, who was on the team with me, he came to me and said, let's start this camp about being a complete athlete because that's what made me an Olympic Olympian. It wasn't my physical prowess. Sure, it was my skiing, but it was being a complete athlete, knowing that the mental side, the physical side, the nutritional side, the technical side, it all plays a role. So he and I started Elite Team, and it's basically – educating athletes on being a complete athlete. But if you go right behind that, it's about inspiring them, educating them, and um, pushing them a little bit and, and pushing them in the right ways. And we found that magic somehow, and, and it's gone for 28 years. It's crazy. It's really, it's really my passion. Yeah, it's incredible. And you have athletes who were campers at Elite Team. They were young and now have gone on to have incredibly successful careers. What does that mean to you to be able to see – um, really the impact of what you've done in yeah. terms of serving these kids and inspiring them, showing them the love for the sport as well as, you know, some of the basic foundations of being an athlete. It, it makes me so proud. I mean, Michaela Schifrin is an elite teamer, Alice Merriweather's an elite teamer, Jimmy Krupka. And so for sure I can hang my hat and hopefully the little nuggets that I sprinkled in at camp to them uh, about uh, setting goals or about, having a a embracing failure or working hard on your strength. I hope those nuggets help them in their career. But I love finding and meeting elite teamers because we've been doing it 28 years. They're all over who are, they fly wingsuits, they're coaches, they're high level uh, engineers, whatever they are. And they took those concepts at elite team, maybe not applied them to sport, but applied them to life. And that just makes me so proud puts a smile on my face i'll come up i'll be in europe and some kid will say hey i went to elite team and it just blows me away yeah i mean you're truly developing not just athletes but people yeah i'm trying to and um it it seems to be working (laughs) (laughs) no that's awesome um cool well do you have any other points that you really feel like the audience should be able to hear about kind of these chapters these topics i Luckily, uh, just because of my name, I get to talk to a lot of athletes that have just retired and try to help them out. And the big thing, the two, there's a lot of things, but the two things I try to tell them is number one, there's no hurry afterwards. Everybody wants to 
like me, be that television star or whatever. There's no hurry. Like check out for a while and pursue whatever you want and um, not be in that race if you can. At least slow down the race. I think that's really important. Um, when I finally chose to retire and went to school, I didn't watch skiing. For three years, I just dedicated myself to school, and, and, I, and I explored and slowed down, and I thought that was key. And um, the second thing, I think, is that nothing's ever a waste. You may take a right turn and go into working at McDonald's, whatever. And that may seem a waste for a year, but it's not. You learn something. Everything you do, everything, every experience after skiing, after, after your athletics will teach you something. And, I, and so don't get down on it yourself if you take a right turn and that's not the right turn. I love that piece of advice. Yeah. Um, so the sideline perspective is kind of founded on building a community um, for these conversations and recognizing each other and empowering each other as um, total teammates. So somebody who's a teammate, not just in sports, but in life as well. And part of the total teammate creed is an acknowledgement that all of our experiences, not just the good, the good and the bad, or you know, the upside down or the wrong directions, they all add value to who we are as people. And so I love that you just naturally kind of spoke to that point. Yeah, because... As an athlete, you don't want to waste time, right? But nothing's a waste. I mean, I've learned so much from all the different spider web trails I've done after skiing. And it'll lead you back to where you need to go. But um, it's pretty interesting. It is, You got to yeah. enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, there's no perfect roadmap out there, for sure. But your last question, I think it's interesting. You said, you said finish the sentence, I am. Mm -hmm. And I can't wait to hear what other athletes say about that. And... You know, I, I think I'm a husband, I'm a mentor for sure, but I cannot get away from the fact that I am an athlete. Mm. And I don't know if that's a good or a bad answer, but I'm, I'm still there. Yeah, I, but I think it starts to take on potentially a different, um, a different meaning. It, you know, maybe not in the same sense that you were an athlete in downhill, but like you're still pushing your body to right. its limits. You're still taking on new challenges. You're still expressing yourself and your identity in a physical and a mobile and active way. Mm. Yeah. Well, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know you do some incredible feats in terms of running long distances. Again, I'm still in that race for some reason. I may not win them all the time, but I, I love putting myself in that race. And I think we, we probably never get rid of that. Mm. Yeah, I love it. Awesome. Well, yeah, normally there's kind of a separate section for the rapid fire questions, oh. but we crushed all of them kind of in our conversation. So um, clearly some valuable back and forth here. Um, I would love to kind of go back to that concept of total teammates that I mentioned before. Who in your life have you recognized as truly being like a total teammate for you and, and supporting you, not just the athlete you, but the, the rest of you? Um, <clears throat> I think there's a few athletes that, that play that role for me, and they are athletes, mm -hmm. but they're the special ones <laughs> that I think, and there's some out there. Um, for example, Tamara McKinney, she was a, a hero, a mentor, a best friend and a teammate. And I see her as living such a true life, truer than mine. Like she doesn't seem to get caught up in that race. And so she is definitely some, a person I have looked to 
to to look to how to make that transition. And there are even Craig Sauerbeer, I mentioned him before. He was that guy that was just so true. And I really, that's a nice word for it. These athletes that I've known that are just true in their heart because they do it for the love and they do it for everyone, just not themselves. So those are the people that I've really learned the most from as being teammates. That's awesome. Yeah, valuable people to have around you in your life and learn and grow from. They keep you... They keep you centered. They keep you on the right track. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time today. You're welcome. I enjoyed it. Thanks for taking the time to tune in today, guys. Really hope you heard some good advice and relatable notes from Doug Lewis on what it means to leave the pinnacle of sport and start over again, sometimes as a beginner and figuring out your next path. If you want to check out what Doug does with Elite Team, you can go to EliteTeam.com. That's E-L-I-T-E-A-M.com. And if you want to stay up to date with all things The Sideline Perspective, you can look at us on Instagram at The Sideline Perspective and our website, which has new stories being posted, TheSidelinePerspective.com. Thanks again. Have a great rest of your day.